Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. All right, thank you and on with the show. The thing about reading, for me at least, is it's much like speaking. It comes so naturally now that I can't remember what it was like learning how to do it. If you have a child in their first year of school, you might be starting to remember just how hard it can be. Home readers have made me want to pull out my eyes with a spoon, but they can be an important part of learning how to read. Morris Gleitzman is the Australian Children's Laureate for 2018 and 2019. It was only announced yesterday. Hi, Morris. How are you? Hi. Thanks for having me. And congratulations. It's a big honour, isn't it? Thank you very much. I hope you, you are admiring the, the ermine-trimmed robe I'm wearing <laughs> at the moment and the, uh, and the rather fetching cardboard crown. The, the crown is the height of style, I must say. Um, so I did mention that I have um, I struggle with school readers. Sometimes I find they've, they were printed in the 70s and they're telling them how to make a blueberry muffin or something. Um, my teachers at school, they're wonderful. The readers are woeful. Um, and sometimes they're just so boring. I'm wondering how you feel about readers and also um, whether it's important, even at this early stage, that children enjoy the books they're reading. I think that's the most desirable outcome possible. Absolutely at the centre of what I'm going to be travelling around the country talking non-stop about for the next couple of years is the incredible value of stories in the lives of young people starting at as early as you like to go. In fact, read to that tummy, I say to <laughs> Um Obviously, it's important that kids are functionally able to read, that they are confident and enthusiastic, and through their lives, reading is going to deliver them all sorts of opportunities, and it goes without saying that, that you know, life, life is a real struggle for those very unfortunate and hopefully receiving help adults who who can't read. But despite all those day-to-day practical needs for reading, for me there is something that reading brings us all, and that is it brings stories into our lives. And I think in a in a busy, information-driven, fragmented often world, it one can overlook just how important stories are. Stories, I think, are the absolute premium package that contain everything we hope for, for an education for our kids. And I'm using education in the broadest, most life-enriching way. A story does not have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be full of literary sophistication. Stories have been at the absolute heart of our human existence for as many tens of millennia as we've been able to communicate with each other as a species and there's a good reason for that because there's there's no important developmental stage for us as young human beings and there's no important aspect of life at any stage that can't be understood better and approached in a more creative and functional and productive way um reading stories 
delivers us all these things. And at a really simple level, the point at which, and I've been through this myself as a parent, I know what an exhilarating but sometimes anxious time it can be as we watch our precious youngsters taking those first steps towards independent reading. And if they've been lucky, they've had countless hours on our knee, sitting next to us, sharing books from the earliest age. And I'll, and I'll come back and talk a bit about this um, perhaps a bit later. But um, what I know from talking with the thousands of young people, young readers that, that, that I get to share time with each year as part of my job, and they tend to be from seven to about 12 because that's that's the age that that I most write for. I know that um, reading happens in slightly different ways for different kids. Um, the notion that, that certain key stages should have occurred by certain, you know, months in their fourth or fifth year, that would be, you know, perhaps ideal if you're, if you're trying to run a very well-ordered school, but it's not how we are. So parents need to be a little bit patient and trusting. But what I have discovered over many years of talking to young people and their parents and their teachers and their librarians is that the focus, the confidence, the motivation um, and the desire to stick at this business of revealing our ability to read is best done in the presence of real stories. So by real stories, do you mean true life stories or... Can it be fiction, non-fiction? Oh, um, it it doesn't matter what the genre is. It doesn't matter if it's set now or in the past, if it's fantasy, if it's sort of social realism. It's a story, I think, can most easily be, be described as, um, defined as, as having a character, at least one, sometimes a, more, but at least one character who is facing a problem that is very important to them. It might seem trivial to other people, but very important to them. And a story is simply a process of a character trying to solve or survive that problem. And this can be on a grand scale. I've written several books about a, a 10-year-old boy who finds himself in the middle of World War II in 1942. And being Jewish, he's, he's in particular jeopardy and 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 so his life are full, is full of huge problems but there are many wonderful books for much younger children that are about the sorts of problems that they will encounter every day in their comparatively hopefully safe and happy and less complicated and less hopefully yeah yeah <laughs> but but i think um we we do kids an injustice if we forget that when you're three, something that an adult might think this is going to this problem will pass in the next ten minutes, but for that young person, for those few minutes, there's nothing there's nothing bigger in the universe than than that problem. And you mentioned um, speaking of the younger children, that part of what you will be doing this year as the Australian Children's Laureate is encouraging parents to get involved with reading with their kids. You mentioned that you tell mums to read while they're pregnant. Um, in this process of parents reading with children, is it important that ch parents enjoy the books as well? Because sometimes you can be reading the same book many times. And I'm thinking of the Lorax here. I'm thinking that 
the Dr. Seuss books for me, I could read them a thousand times and never get sick of it. But how important is it that we as parents also enjoy what we're reading to our kids? Well, I think it's very important. And I've discovered that fortunately, all all parents were once kids. And so <laughs> even if you're writing about a problem in the life of a young character that's very particular to being three or seven or 11, um, the parents have been there before. And so that can actually have a lot of meaning for them. There is repetition. I cannot pretend that there won't be times when you are asked to read a story that you virtually know by heart, even if it is a 30,000 word novel. And, um, <laughs> yes. and, and I'm afraid that's just, that's, that's where love you know, has to <laughs> has to temporarily replace literary stimulation. Um, I used to get into terrible trouble um, when my kids were at the age where they needed to be read to. And, I, and I'd also in a moment like to talk about how wonderful it is to continue to read to your sons and daughters, even when they are capable of reading to themselves. That's a very special family time. But when when my son and daughter needed to be read to, Thomas the Tank was was big in our house household and um and there were also um some recordings back then they were cassette tapes Ringo Starr um <laughs> a, a name you may know had had read them and and I thought that was very generous of him but, but the problem for us parents in Australia was that Ringo is from Liverpool oh yes and I remember the first time I sat down to read a Thomas the Tank story to my daughter in my you know my my Australian accent and she stopped me after a couple of sentences sternly and said, Dad, you're reading it wrong. <laughs> and anyway, I quickly realised that it had to be read in a Liverpoolian accent. Oh, my gosh. I'd love to hear what that sounds like. It's not good because <laughs> a couple of sentences later, she's, and I'm, I'm sort of doing my Liverpoolian accent, which I'm not going to do now. <laughs> um, I'm way out of practice. She's 36 now. Um, Although I do have a five-month-old grandson, and I just hope he never hears of Ringo Starr. Um, <laughs> but um, um, yeah, when she heard my my Liverpool accent, she she said, "Dad, you're still reading it wrong." So we we negotiated, <laughs> and I and and I said, "Look, um, here's something that you're now discovering about stories. Um, every time they are read, whether it's out loud or by us individually, that story becomes slightly different because we're all individual readers." We all have our own imaginations and our own life experience, which is true if you watch a bunch of three-year-olds being read a book. I have a question. This is a bit controversial, a bit left of field, but I'd love to know your thoughts on this because most parents now, I remember saying to my husband, the kids are not to watch one single Narnian movie before I have read them the books or they've read them themselves. And, of course, he laughed at me and they did watch the movie before the book. Um, same goes with the BFG. It was like book, movie, they saw the movie, but I still read them the book. Did you ever have that problem? Because they've been these successful books are made into films because they're such great books. But for me, there was nothing like the magic of reading it as a child with a child's imagination. Do you see a conflict there? I've thought about this a lot. I've had my own some of my own books adapted for the screen. Before I started writing books, I was a screenwriter and I used to adapt other people's books for the screen. And there are all sorts of reasons we won't go into now why they're two very different ways of telling a story. And I think there are some wonderful things that happen on screens and, and very enriching things. But something even more wonderful happens when we read a book through the medium of words. It requires us to use our imagination, 
we have to become a creative participant in that story. And this is true if we're reading a picture book to a very young child. It's equally true. A picture book, we could say, is one little step towards being a movie because it's got some visual references. But most good picture books don't try and give you visual references for everything that's happening. You know, the best picture book writers leave wonderful spaces, not only between the words and sentences, but between the words and the pictures. Those all-important spaces that the imaginations of even a very young child can fill. And one of the advantages, I think, of the repetition of, you know, reading that same picture book um, 97 times over over a three-month period is that that imaginative creative process by the young listener and the and the and the viewer of the pictures is is evolving all the time so um and that's and that's also true if you're reading a story just with words so the thing about watching the movie of a book is that you are watching the images that occurred in the imaginations of the people who made the film when they read the book and once you've seen them, you can't ever unsee them. No, that's true. And, and so I think it's actually just a much richer way of doing it to let let your kids be their own movie makers in their own imaginations as they read the book. And then they can go and watch the movie. They will enjoy it just as much because for the 90 or 120 minutes they will be taken into the world of those filmmakers but afterwards they've they've got the wonderful opportunity to say well actually I didn't see it like that I didn't see him like that or I imagine this so differently and that is a learning experience about how our imaginations work how the creative process works and how nobody not even the author in his ermine robes totally owns a story because a story i believe only exists whether it's for three-year-olds or or 93 year olds a story only really exists as it's being read as it is coming to life in the imagination of each individual reader and it comes to life in a slightly different way in the imagination of each different this is why talking about the stories we read is so rewarding and particularly for young people who are often having incredible experiences through stories. Stories are helping them develop empathy and resilience. You know, they're noticing that the characters in stories don't solve their problems first time out because authors need a few more pages than that. So they have (laughs) to try several times and they learn to pick themselves up and learn from their mistakes. We learn a huge amount about what goes on inside other members of our species through reading stories. So much of our life these days is fragmented and it's a bit surface. We just don't have time to get into the into the real heart and soul of most of the other humans we encounter, either physically in the world or um, online. So stories are helping young people understand that inside every other human on the world in the world, there's this vast inner world that is as big and fascinating as our own. And that and these sorts of insights, when young people go out into the world, become adults and take their place in the world, these are absolutely invaluable. They will achieve so much through these sort of insights. And every time you share a story with them, and it can be a simple story about a rabbit who's having you know, a bad half hour because of some carrot crisis, <laughs> or it can be something much more sophisticated and complicated as young readers get older and are looking for those sorts of stories but 
they will feed into the key development stages of young people in the most wonderful way. And the more, I think, as parents, we can share that process, and including when our eight or nine or ten or even teenage kids can read for themselves, that sharing of the story process and then being prepared to listen to all the thoughts and feelings that young readers have as a result is absolutely cementing not only the development of these of these key stages in an individual's young life, but I think they're contributing wonderful dimensions to our relationships as parents, as partners, as friends, aunts, uncles, grandparents, the whole thing. What a beautiful place to end. I, I don't ever want to stop reading to my kids. It's my favourite part of the day. Morris, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. That's Morris Glassman. He is the Australian Children's Laureate for 2018 and 2019. Beanies. Get your child off screens and into their imagination as we explore how bubbles are made. What's in a sneeze? Achoo! And what's with the weather today? Professor Know-It-All knows. Hello, Beanies. Hello. The, the Beanies. Beanies. A podcast just for kids. Subscribe now on iTunes or listen anytime on the Kindling app.